Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. So good to have all of you guys with us today. And uh, man, we're jumping into part two of Sushi, Sex, and Subtitles uh, series all about relationships and marriage and all of those things. And we're going to jump straight in for you. Uh, man, my wife uh, kind of has this uh, idea that everything uh, in life is a little bit easier than it actually is, uh, particularly when it comes to like home renovation. And as I was thinking through what husbands and wives kind of deal with, particularly from uh, kind of like a... A, a fantasy perspective, you know what I mean? Like, oh, marriage is totally going to be like this. Uh, I tried to find a picture, and me and Ashley used to watch this show all the time that I think perfectly lays out what she believes marriage is supposed to be, and it's fixer-upper, all right? So uh, she, she kind of has this idea that, like, all you really need to build something great is, like, a nail gun, some glue, and a couple boards, you know? So she's like, can you build this massive thing for me? And I'm like, that's going to take a little bit of work, you know what I mean? And so I'll get to it. You don't have to remind me every six months, all right? So, um, and so I, I, I keep telling her, and, and she's like, oh, it'll just be easy. Just nail some boards together. And I'm like, honey, you wanted a 16-section bookcase. That's not going to be a couple boards and some nails. But one thing that I think Fixer Upper has kind of put in our brain uh, is that uh, if your wife hoards enough things, you can buy a warehouse and start a business where you can start decorating other people's houses, right? So, um, and secondly, uh, that every husband should be a general contractor slash architect slash engineer slash be able to do anything. And it's just not real. Am I right? Uh, because we've all got to build up this fantasy of what life and marriage and all of these things are going to be like. And so as we've unpack those a little bit, uh, I kind of wanted to put some framework around uh, what society has kind of allowed through movies to paint the picture of what manhood, particularly manhood, is supposed to be. And so we have some pictures they're going to throw up there for us uh, of some movies that I think kind of shows a, a perfect example, right? And so what do we have? Pirates of the Caribbean, where they're like pillaging and conquering. And then we have Batman, who's a defender slash a conqueror. And, and then we also have the Justice League, Defenders, Conquerors. We have like any of the Avengers, Marvel stuff, Defenders, Conquerors, 300, Defenders, Conquerors. And so we have all of this in line where we kind of have these movies. But the thing that I find interesting about these movies, the thing that I find interesting about this is society in Hollywood has no problem painting a picture that this is what manhood is supposed to be. But then at the same time, de or emasculating or trying to get men to be less than in the real world. So they have no problem saying, this is what we want our men to be in movies. But then when men try to be that in the real world, they say, hey, you need to stop being so manly. I think at the end of the day, and I, I, I put it on my paper like this, I find it interesting that the manly characters we celebrate in movies are the very things society has aimed to remove. Right? And so we, we like the idea of Batman, just don't be too much Batman in real life. We like the idea of 300 or the Avengers, these characters that conquer and they come in and they swoop in and they defend. They do all of these things, but in real life, we don't want those, at least society says, we don't want these men in our spaces. But the reality is this God has designed men, say men, and women, say women. 
have designed men and women specifically to function in marriage. Listen, and when we pay attention to that, we can actually thrive. There's ways that God has created us to do that where we can actually thrive. And that's how we want to unpack some of the things today. Proverbs 29, 18 says it like this, right? Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is uh, no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. All right, that's a paraphrase. There's another one from Proverbs 2019. It just words it differently that I think we can understand. If people can't see what God is doing, say what God is doing. If people can't see what God is doing, right, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. And I believe for many people in marriages right now, they can't see what God is designing marriage to look like. Therefore, their marriage is stumbling all over itself. We've got husbands and wives trying to figure out marriage, but we don't quite know what is the role in which we're supposed to function in this. And so I even asked people on Instagram and TikTok and, and some other channels, right? I said, what is it you have a hard time asking your spouse for? What is it that you need in marriage that you have a hard time asking your spouse for? And these are some of the answers that came in repeatedly that you gave me. Number one, I have a hard time asking my spouse for deep conversations and connection. I have a hard time asking my spouse for deep conversations and connection. I, I want to be deeply connected, but I have a hard time communicating that. Next, I have a hard time asking my spouse for sex, right? That one showed up quite a few times, to be honest with you, right? And can we just go ahead and get that out of the way? Just say sex. See how timid that was? You're like, Ugh. am I supposed to do that at church? It's fine, all right? God made it. All right, so I have a hard time asking my spouse for sex. The next one, I have a hard time asking my spouse for space and for vulnerability. I have a hard time asking my spouse for space to be vulnerable in. In other words, I want to be vulnerable, but I know that I have to have a safe space to be vulnerable in. And I have a hard time asking my spouse for that. Some people said, I have a hard time asking my spouse for sacrificial love. I have a hard time asking my spouse to love me the way Jesus loves me, to, to lay their life down. So for husbands to, to have a sacrificial love for their wives and for wives to have a, an honoring and respectful love for your husband. I have a hard time asking my spouse for that. Others said, I have a hard time asking my spouse for help in the home and in life. A lot of women actually sent this one in. I have a hard time asking my spouse for help in the home and then help in life. All right. One of the other ones said, I have a hard time asking my spouse for date nights. We're going to kind of deal with this in a few minutes on, on the reality that we have to like carve out time for these things. But I have a hard time asking my spouse. For, for so many people, uh, we've allowed our marriages and our relationships to just be whatever. This is, from what we hear, this is probably 99% of the conversations about date nights. What do you want to do tonight? I don't know. What do you want to do? Anybody been guilty? All right, seven, eight of us, the rest of you are liars. Okay, so I have, hard, I have a hard time asking my spouse for date nights. I have a hard time, and this is the last one, but this is probably what they all kind of connect to, if we we're being honest. I have a hard time asking my spouse for my needs to be met. I have a hard time asking my spouse for my needs to be met, and therefore, 
we struggle through our marriages in many places. Now, if you're single, listen, we want to give you a template of what your marriage should look like, okay? If you're married, we want to give you a, man, we want to give you a template for what you should be pursuing in your life. So some of you say, I don't have a wife or I don't have a husband. That's fine. This should be what you're aiming for, all right? For some of you, you have a wife or and or husband. So not and or, yeah, no. You have a wife or a husband. Uh, put that on Instagram and see what happens. Anyway, so... Um, I'm a wife or a husband, and then you could, uh, you're pursuing knowing what it's supposed to look like for you, right? So we want to create clarity around these roles for wives and husbands, because here's one of the things I believe. I believe because we don't have a clear picture of what it's supposed to be, listen, we've allowed society to dictate what it should look like. And the worst place we can look to is a society that doesn't know what they're doing to tell us what we should be doing. Because that's not going to work ever, all right? And so what does it look like for a husband to look like a husband and a wife to love like a wife? And we want to help you with that. Because there are two things that I believe are so specific that we want to create great clarity around. And the first one is this, this idea that all men, say men, all men are designed to be hunters. All men are designed to be hunters. Men, where y'all at? Uh, yeah, that was all right. That was, that was. Better than the first service. I'll tell you all that. 8.30 service was like, yeah. And then one was like, yeah. All right, so let's try that again. Men, where y'all at? Very good. I like that. I like it a lot. All right. Can I help you out? Men are designed to be hunters. Now, I don't necessarily mean that from the perspective of like, go get your bow and arrow. Okay. Although if you do that, great. My dad, he raised me in the woods. All right. And so uh, I'm out there. I don't hunt now because... Why? You know, I'm just kidding. I was like, <laughs> I don't want now because when you do that, you're supposed to be in the woods before the sun rises, and I'm not doing anything before the sun rises. So, um, but I know how my dad did raise me in that, but that's not the type of hunting that I'm talking about. All right. I think that's a portion of it because we're wired that way over the ages. But hunting is not specifically with the idea of going out into the woods. What I mean by hunting is every man is pre-wired to have a pursuit and a drive to go after the thing he wants most. Men are pre-wired with a drive to be a hunter after the thing they are hunting. Now, for a Christian man who is single, what are they hunting for for the most part? A wife, right? God put it in our hearts to search out a wife, right? Search him out first, and then we search out a wife. So for most Christian men, we're pursuing a wife as we're hunting, right? And so we're looking for women with certain attributes. Come on, just be real for a second. Am I right? Like, we want, to, we want them to have these attributes or these attributes, and all those things are fine. But we are on the hunt. We're looking for someone in our life to fill a role in our life. Not just for us, but that we can have a marriage and live together. That's what we're looking for. And all men are designed as hunters. Now, here's the reality that you have to get around. Once you get married, listen to me, the hunt doesn't stop. And I think for many men, they think once I say I do, I've done my part. And now the hunting stops. But you are pre-wired to never lose the instinct to keep hunting. Which is why, even after you say, I do, if you don't learn to start hunting the right thing, you will eventually start hunting the wrong things. 
And why so many men keep finding themselves pursuing the wrong things in life is because they haven't learned to take the hunt that is still pre-wired in them, given by God, and channel it into a healthy marriage. Therefore, they start hunting for all the wrong things, which is why once a lot of men get the wife that they're looking for, then they start hunting for the career, they start hunting for the business they want to launch, or they start hunting for, even if they find the wife they're looking for, all of a sudden they're still not satisfied with that woman and they start hunting another one. And what you have to do is understand that the hunt will always exist for men. Therefore, you have to figure out what to do with it. But society has not created a great environment for us with that. As a matter of fact, David Fincher says this, who's a movie producer. He says, we're designed to be hunters and we're in a society of shopping. Which I think that line in and of itself is big. We're designed to be hunters, but we're in a society of shopping. There's nothing to kill anymore. There's nothing to fight nothing to overcome, nothing to explore. In that societal emasculation, every man is now created. And I think that means a lot because what we have is we have a number of men who have been pre-wired to hunt, but put into a culture that doesn't want them to hunt anything. And so what does it look like to do that? We have been pre-wired for that because Genesis 1.28 says like this, God blessed them, talking about the male and the female, Adam and Eve, God blessed them, right? And he said, be fruitful and increase in number. And then this is what he says. He says, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. In other words, God put it in us to rule, to reign, to subdue, to take dominion, to put our feet somewhere and become champions over something. God established in every man a need and a desire and a design, listen to me, to take control of your situation and pursue the life that's in front of you. And hear me, I think every man needs to hear this. You need to get back to pursuing greatness in your life. You need to get back to pursuing being a man that God designed. Rather than letting life come at you, listen to me, you need to start going back at it. I know life may have dealt you a bad hand, and this isn't my attempt to be an inspirational speaker as much as my attempt to show you that God's not done with your design just because you said, I do at an altar. And I think for many men, we're like, all right, I did my part. I found my wife. Let me just sit back. No, listen, working for a living is the bare minimum of what any husband should be doing. And I can't tell you how many times I sit down with men and they're like, listen, I do my part. I go home. I, I mean, I go to work. I make the paycheck. I bring it home. There's a roof over our heads. I'm like, congratulations. You've met the bottom of the bar for men across generations. Way to go, killer. Because that's not the idea of greatness. Listen, when we're going to be a man that we're pursuing God's design in our life, listen to me, there has to be a hunt in you, not just to find a wife, but listen to you, to find a way to keep loving your wife as your wife changes. Because women change. In Jesus' name. <laughs> they change. And I think for many of us, we said I do to a woman that no longer lives in our house and we haven't even noticed. And I'm not kidding about this. We said I do to a woman that no longer lives in our house and we haven't even noticed. Therefore, we don't know how to love the new woman that's currently next to us. Therefore, we're lost in our marriage because people change. 
And so the hunt, listen to me, the hunt is something that is constantly changing because you have to constantly learn how to love the new version of your spouse differently than the old version of your spouse. Because what your wife needs today is different than what she needed 10 years ago. And it's going to be different 10 years from now. And if all you did was look for an I do, you missed the opportunity to constantly be hunting for not just a wife, but to be hunting for how to love your wife as your wife changes. And that's an important distinction. And it's unfortunate that we're robbing masculinity from men. I don't mean masculinity as far as the chest pumping, whatever. I'm talking about even like young men. Like it, it bugs me that women raise boys to be boy-like men in their 30s. Like it bugs me. Listen, mama, if you're out there and you got a kid between 12 and 18, get that boy to work before you have a 35-year-old boy still in your house later on down the road. Listen, you are going to lift up your head one day and go, I don't know what happened to Johnny. We all know what happened to Johnny. You raised him like a sissy and then expected him to be a man. Let the boy work for a living, pay some rent, and start pursuing godliness in his life. Like, raise the bar for these young men. I'm tired of watching these kids walk around. They don't even know how to ask a woman out on a date. They use Instagram. Go look at her and tell her she's beautiful and ask her if she'll go out with you. Chill out with the DM stuff. Listen, we got to start raising men to be men. Like, listen, if you can't conquer something, if you can't defend something, listen, AAA isn't always going to be there. Maybe you need to learn how to change a tire. Like, I'm just saying, we got to get back to, like, what it looks like. Because, hear me, if you can't do that for you, what are you ever going to do for her? God called you to be the man. And some men are out here puffing out their chest. You need to submit to your husband. Be one first. Now, some men have no problem with this, and I salute you, men. But for some of us, listen, we need to get this back in line because we're demanding our wives be godly women while not being godly men. And we got to change the narrative of that because that's not what it looks like. And so can I just help you out for a second? Men, you need to get back to the hunt for the calling of defending and conquering in your life. And listen, if, if, not just in your marriage, not just for your wife. Listen, you need to get some fire back in your bones about working for a living, about pursuing hard work. When I say hard work, I'm not talking about like every man needs to start digging ditches. If you do, good for you. If you are in a CEO position, good for you. I'm talking about the willingness to say, you know what, I'm going to do everything I can to honor the God-given design he's put inside of me. We need to do that. So we need to get back to the idea of that. I remember not too long ago, I'm, giving, I'm going to give you the short version of the story. Uh, I was sleeping at the house. It was like 4 o'clock in the morning, and I heard someone yanking on the door. And I was like, someone's breaking in my house. And I'm a firm supporter of the Second Amendment. I don't know where you stand on that. That's none of my business. It doesn't matter. This is my story. All right. So I was, I was, uh, so someone's yanking on the front door. And so I'm like, all right, brother, I got 45 reasons why you don't want to walk through this door. All right. So, so uh, they're yanking on the door. So I called the, I called 911. Hey, someone's about to break into my house. I'm just letting you know uh, that way we, you know, if you need to send the cops, I was like, you probably want to go ahead and send them anyway. It's like, go ahead and send the cops. And she was like, I said, like, cause if they make it through this door, I'm handling this myself. Right. And she was like, well, sir, you don't know if the person's a threat. I said, I'm not asking permission. 
I'm informing you that if that person gets through, my wife, my son, and both of my dogs are in a room behind me, and whoever this is is in front of me. And I'm the only one that stands between them and them. And if you think for half a second I'm going to figure out what they want before they come in this house, you are dead wrong. I'm putting you on speakerphone. I'm putting the phone on the ground. And if you hear gunshots, send police. That was what I said. It was my wife <laughs> coming home from the gym. <laughs> it took me two hours to unwind from that like, energy that I had stored up in me. I heard keys jingle, and I said, that's peculiar that someone's breaking into my house with keys. <laughs> but I say all that to say is in that moment, listen, I'm a happy person, but in that moment, who I love was behind me and someone that might hurt them was in front of me. And it didn't matter what was going on around me because something channeled inside of me. Husbands, you can think about the thing you love the most. It's your kids, it's your spouse, it's whatever. If something's threatening that, you're going to do something about that. Why? Because it's the design God put inside of you to be a defender and a conqueror. My encouragement for you today, let's get back to it and stop letting everything in society and everything in life start robbing us from what is great inside of of you because God put it inside of you. So use it. And ladies, do me a favor. If your husband wants to start that business, if he wants to be an entrepreneur, if he wants to work hard, if he wants to do that, pour gas on that thing. Stop putting that fire out. That's the hunt inside of him rising to the surface. We need those things to show up. We need to do it with wisdom. We need to do it with grace. But hear me, we need to be channeling, championing the manhood inside of our husbands rather than just saying, well, I don't know if you should do that. Like, man, we should be championing some of those things. Like I said, with wisdom, with grace, yes. But, man, what is it? The hunt is inside you. You need to keep using it. But when it comes to marriage, I want you to grab this and we'll move on. When it comes to marriage, you need to make sure that the hunt that is inside of you is not looking for something else. It's looking for another way to love the thing you already have. And so who is my spouse becoming and how do I love them differently now than I did before? Listen. Because this is what I want you to grab a hold of. When you're pursuing a wife, you're hunting for a woman you can love, right? When you're pursuing a wife, you're hunting for a woman that you can love. But when you're married, say married. When you're married, you're hunting for how to love who your wife is becoming. Because they change. And then they change again. All right, so as soon as you got them figured out, pfft, change. All right? So what are we doing? We, spend, we let the hunt in us. Listen, and I, I'm, I'm serious about this. If you don't learn to hunt for the version your wife is becoming, you will start hunting for something else entirely. Whether that's a person, whether that's a degree, whether that's a business. And we need to be pursuing our spouse. We need to have a ferociousness about that. But I want you to grab a hold of this. This is why it's so important. The hunt should never stop. Say never stop. Never stop. The hunt should never stop, but you will have to redirect it. You will have to redirect it. The people that cheat on their spouses are people that haven't learned how to redirect it. All right? They're hunting for something, but you need to redirect it back to your spouse. It's not how do I love someone else. It's how do I love this someone even more. And that's important. When you look at Matthew chapter 4, there's a story where Jesus is pursuing after disciples, right? And what does it say? They were fishing, and he went to them and said, I want to make you fishers of men, right? What did he do? He didn't tell them to stop doing something. He said, I want to take what you do and redirect it to the thing that I want you to do it for. And that's what he's doing in us. He doesn't, he doesn't want to kill the hunt inside of us. He wants to redirect the hunt inside of us, right? And so that's what we see in Matthew chapter 4. And so I want you to jump 
to 1 Corinthians 13, 11. They're going to throw it on the screen. He said, when I was a child, I talked like a child. And I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away the childhood, ways of childhood behind me. Right? And I think for each one of us, we have to understand that there comes a point where you're now responsible for the life that God has given you. Titus 2, 1 through 2, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Teach older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. And so for men, we have to get back to being hunters, all right? But for women, we want to help you out for a second because all women, where are the women at? Y'all do that so much better than the men do. I'm not going to lie to y'all. Every time. Y'all just want a reason to yell. You know what I mean? So all women are designed to be holders. All women are designed to be holders. Men are designed to be hunters. Women are designed to be holders. And when I use the word holder, what I'm referencing is a nurturer. All women are designed to be nurturers. It's put in you to be a nurturer to you, to be a nurturer to your husband, to be a nurturer to your children. How many of you guys ever heard a toddler get hurt? They don't run around going, dad, do they? What do they run around saying? That's right. Why? Because mommy's the nurturer. Dad's like, spit on it. It'll be fine. You know, my mom's like, come here, baby. I'll make it better. You know, like, why? That's what moms do. Moms are nurturers. Women, you are designed to be a nurturer, right? Now, I want to go ahead and give you this out front, though. Every woman has varying degrees of nurturing inside of them. All right, so let me just, I want to put that out in front right away. We all know some women that are just like, just nurturers to the, my mom, she's a nurturer to know. And she's just like, she's the nurturer of all nurturers, right? But I know every woman isn't the nurturer of all nurturers, right? But here's one reality that I want women, I want you to understand for a second, because we talk about men quite a bit. But listen, the greatest of all husbands, the greatest of all husbands had a great woman that held them when they could not stand. The greatest of all husbands had a great woman that held them when they could not stand. And great husbands need great women that are nurturing them and taking up that space for them. This is so important because nurturing is a key role in womanhood. Nurturing, holding that space, being able to be there for that person, to, to hold. Why? Because every person needs it. Listen, everybody wants vulnerability from someone else, but not everybody is willing to take the space and hold it for vulnerability. When we're asking someone to be vulnerable, you know what the best thing you can do is? Let me just help you out with this. This is a free tip. It's not even in my notes. You know what the best thing you can do when someone else is be vulnerable? Sit still and listen. That's terrifying especially for men. But even for some of you women, you're like, the man's dealing with some stuff and you want to help. It's like, no, 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 listen, what we need from you is to nurture it, not fix it. What we need, and husbands, you would probably, you can talk to your wife about this when you get home. I guarantee you the mass, vast majority of you, what you want is not a spouse that's going to say, I told you so, or what you shouldn't have, or what you should have done is, listen, ladies, we do that to ourselves enough. We don't need your help what we need is someone to say, I've got you no matter what. We need that nurturing space from you. Titus 2, 3 through 5 talks about women in the household. Similarly, teach the women to live in a way that honors God. 
They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, to follow their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. Katie Leader says it like this. She says, a woman's nurturing should point others to the gospel and grow another's faith in Christ. So I think that's huge. In other words, women, when you nurture your children, you're growing their, gospel, uh, their knowledge in the gospel. When you nurture your husband, you are growing his knowledge of the God. You are introducing him to a component of Christ he needs to know about. When you nurture your children, you're introducing them to a component of Christ they need to know about. That's why nurturing is so important. But we have so many people that go, that's not my gift. I'm not a nurturer by nature. Here's what I would tell you. You are a nurturer by design, but you may not be great at nurturing. Let me say it again. You are a nurturer by design. You just may not be great at nurturing. So let me give this to you, right? Nurturing and holding isn't a finished gift given to all women, right? So nurturing and holding isn't a finished gift given to all women. It's a calling to be developed as a Christian woman. So it's, it is a portion of your design, but it does not mean it's your gifting. But because it's part of your design, it's a gift that needs to be developed. In other words, you need to learn how to nurture better because it's what part of what God is asking out of you. And this is important because we need mothers and wives in the homes that are doing these things. But so many people, and I'd sit down and I'd talk to women about nurturing and creating a space of vulnerability and supporting a husband in that way. And many of them go, but I'm just not weak like that. And I say, I give them this point that I just want to give you right now. Nurturing isn't done in weakness, but rather in meekness. You see, nurturing isn't a display of weakness. Weakness is a lack of power. Nurturing is a display of meekness, which means power under control. It means you have power, you just don't have to use it all the time. My wife is an absolute gangster. Five foot two, blonde hair, blue eyed, hood. All right, so half holy, half hood. You want that smoke, you will find out. Okay, like she'll hurt your feelings. Like I'm telling, like she, you don't, all right, so yeah. Um, she goes to the gun range too. All right, that's all I'm going to say. She's like, you, yes. All right, but all that to say is my wife is a great nurturer, but you don't want to cross that sideways. Now, the interesting thing about my wife is she loves animals. She loves animals more than she loves people. All right, if she, says, if she sees someone walking a dog, she's like, oh, hello. And the person's like, hello. She's like, I was actually talking to the dog, not you, right? Just the other day, we were on the golf course in Atlanta. We passed 45 people. She didn't say a word to any of them, all right? So she, we're out there. She didn't say anything. There. And then all of a sudden on the golf course, three deer go running by. And she's like, oh, oh. And one of them stops. And she's like, hi, 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 dear. She's got her phone out. And she's like, hello, what are you doing? And they're like looking at each other. And she's like, hi, dear. I'm like, you haven't said two words this whole time we've been out here. Now the deer's here. And she's just talking, hi, dear, right? She loves animals. She thinks animals are the cutest thing in the world. Matter of fact, we have a picture of animals. Aren't these just the cutest animals in the world? Like if I brought some of these animals in here, you would just like, oh, look at the little bear and the alpaca thing and the little elephant, <laughs> the deer, right? The pig, like... 
These are cute animals. You would hold these animals. Like if I brought them in, most of you would be like, oh, right, they're so cute. And the reality is this. They are cute. These animals are, are well, this is my wife's dream right here. If she could have anything, it would be like a, her personal petting zoo. All right? And this is the life she lives. Let me show you one animal you probably wouldn't pet. That one. If this one was coming at you, are you petting this animal? No. I'm running the other direction. Right? Now, let me ask you something. Is this a female tiger or a male tiger? You don't know. Nor do you care to find out if it's running after you. Am I right? Right? All I want to know is where is the exit? Because I'm out of this joint. <laughs> okay? You want to know why? Because a female tiger is still dangerous. Just because it's a female doesn't mean it doesn't have power. It just has power under control. Ladies, it is okay to be both a nurturer and a female tiger. It is okay to be a person that can hold the space of your husband and your children, love them, be gracious to them, create a safe space for them, and when you have to, show some teeth. That's okay, which is why you don't want that smoke from my wife. Okay, she'll, she'll show you teeth in a hurry. The reality is this. You can learn to be a nurturer and be someone that's dangerous, and I think that's fine because that's what it takes to live this life together. Men, we need to be hunters. Women, you need to be holders. And in doing so, we create a space that's great for one another. When we, uh, there was a number of women interviewed uh, who are female escorts, I'll put it that way. Right? I was trying to think of a good way to walk through that. They interviewed a number of female escorts in New York City. And when they did that, they said, you, the, they interviewed the women. They said, what is it most men want? And the vast majority of the answer is what we would all think that most men want out of a female escort. But they said, you'd be shocked at how high the percentage of men is that did not want sex. What they wanted is a safe space to talk and be held. We're talking about people that paid hundreds of dollars per hour to have a female they do not know have a conversation with them about vulnerable spaces and then hold them as they process their own emotions. Women, how powerful could it be if you learned to just do that for your husbands? My challenge to you, hone your nurturing the same way we're asking men to hone their hunting. Create a space where those things become great. What does it look like to do it? Let me answer this question for you as we get ready to close up today. So what does it look like? Brad, I hear you. I want to be a nurturer if you're a lady. Or I want to be a hunter as a man. What does it look like to do that on behalf of my spouse, to, to be great in that arena? I want to give this to you. Trade spontaneity for intentionality. Trade spontaneity for intentionality. One of the first questions I ask couples when I sit down with them and as we're dealing with if they're going through marriage problems or whatever, one of the first questions I ask them is, that when, is when are your date nights? And almost all of them tell me this, well, we don't, we don't really plan those. We want them to be spontaneous. And I say, you know what another word for spontaneous is, don't you? And they say, what's that? I say, inconsistent. For many of you, your attempts to be spontaneous is a breeding ground for inconsistency and you wanna know why your inconsistency is creating a marriage where you're not satisfied. Start trading intentionality. Be intentional. Me and my wife, we have a date night every Wednesday. You know who can't get on my calendar on Wednesdays? Anybody else. We have first Wednesdays here. On that first Wednesday, we're on a date night either Tuesday or Thursday or both can't have that space. 
It's reserved for my wife. It's intentional. My wife can expect it. And guess what? Because it's intentional, I can also plan great moments rather than, and maybe you've dealt with this before, what does date night look like for you? What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Because that displays love so grand, doesn't it? Then you just end up back at Chick-fil-A again. Which those are always conveniently placed near Target. (laughs) I think they're all in cahoots, man. Target, Chick-fil-A, and Starbucks. I think they got something just together. Right? But all that to say is we you end up in we we just kind of end up, listen to me, and you'll end up how many guys ever used this phrase in marriage before? We'll just go to a old faithful or the default. Well, do you want to live a marriage living on old faithful and the default? Or do you want to get intentional about planning great moments together? Because when you're intentional about knowing you have something coming, you can become intentional about planning it to make it special. Me and my wife just celebrated our 13th year anniversary this past week. And uh, yeah, I was intentional and I planned a number of ridiculous things for our 13 year anniversary. But you know what I didn't do? Wait till the day before and be like, you know what? I really need to throw something together. But because I was intentional, she responded in an intentional way. And so hear me, I wanna invite you men Get intentional about hunting for your wife. Not just hunting for a wife, but once you get the wife, hunting for how to love your wife better. Women, I wanna encourage you, get intentional about nurturing your husband. But it's gonna require a conversation out of you and him to ask him what he really needs. And listen, whatever his answer is, that's what he needs. So grow your ability to do that well, even if it's not natural for you. Because those are the ways we create great marriages, right? Proverbs 69, in their hearts, right? Humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Left up to you, you'll have whatever marriage you have. But if you get intentional about saying, all right, God, help me love my spouse better, he can order your steps and make them great. That's why we wanna give you this. Hunting and holding are the key components of love and sacrifice that represent Christ in our marriage. So you wanna have a marriage that's blessed and has the favor of God on it? Learn to hunt and to hold. And I promise you, God will do something great in between all those spaces, amen? Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one that leads us and guides us. And we thank you, Lord, that you have been gracious to us and teaching us to be gracious to our spouses and those that we love. So God, for every man that's gonna learn how to hunt, I pray that you direct his path. Help him love his wife better and help him learn to hunt for how to love who she's becoming. For every wife in here, a mother in here, I pray that you help the wife hold and nurture in a way that encourages and represents Christ to the home. In doing so, God, we know that you are guiding our steps and we thank you for that. We love you today. In Jesus' name, if you're here today and you say, Brad, I want to hunt, I I wanna hold, I wanna do all things like Christ, but I don't know Jesus. But today, before I leave, I know that I I want to. I want him to be at the center of my life. If that's you right now, very easily, we wanna ask you to pray this prayer with me and the whole church will pray with you so you're not praying by yourself. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my wrongs. 
I believe in you. I believe you died for me, so I give you my life. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start, and I'll follow you forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's give it for all those that prayed that perhaps for the first time. We celebrate with you. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you want to connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. More information about our church or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. Mytc.life is also where you can partner with us financially, and we would love it if you would consider doing just that, as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.